You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Main Justice tried to get our office to remove any reference to individual one who was President Trump. If it happened, I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps we've never seen before. It was unprecedented and scary. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. Boing. Wow, that was a bounce, wasn't it? The good news is you just won the primary. The bad news is if you hold this position on elections or you hold this positions on abortion, you're going to lose by 15 points. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The U.S. makes a significant offer for the return of Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, but no one has answered the call. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. This day, President Biden meets with Griner's wife and Whelan's sister to keep hope alive. We'll talk about the prospects of a prisoner swap and why it's taking so long with William Butler, professor of law at Penn State. Same-sex marriage legislation will have to wait until after the midterm elections. We'll get the latest from Capitol Hill from Bloomberg government's Emily Wilkins. An analysis from our signature panel Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us on this Friday. There's renewed interest, if not urgency, around the cases of Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, of course, the two Americans being detained in Russia, because President Biden today meets with Griner's wife, Sherelle, and Elizabeth Whelan, the sister of the Marine, to assure them that their detained family members remain front of mind and try to get some attention on this. As John Kirby today said at the White House, part of the idea here was to get this back in the conversation. Kirby, of course, spokesperson for the National Security Council at the White House. He talked about it today in the briefing room. Here he is. Discussions are ongoing. Um, uh, I think Kareen said it really well yesterday. Sadly, we don't have a result here to tell you about. Uh, But the president felt it was important to continue the dialogue with the family members. That's happening today. We have stayed in touch with them throughout. We have kept them informed throughout. Um, But the negotiations are are still ongoing. But the negotiations are now taking place and the Russians have made some kind of significant response? They have not responded to uh, our offer. They have not responded to our offer. I thought there were reports out there that this had been rebuffed, remembering that the Biden administration proposed swapping Griner, uh, of course, a basketball star here, Olympic gold medalist, and Whelan for, for Victor Bout, if I'm saying it right. The, this was the, the arms dealer, Russian arms dealer they call the Merchant of Death, was sentenced to 25 years in 2012. 
and a second Russian also held in a U.S. jail. This went from a two-for-one to a two-for-two. Victor Boot, thank you, Rick. The Merchant of Death. And so there are a lot of questions right now about what's taking so long and if the U.S. has any leverage at this point with the war in Ukraine going on and obviously a lot of other world events that are challenging these negotiations. We're joined to talk about it by William Butler, John Ed, uh, Edward Fowler, distinguished professor of law at Penn State, author of Russian Law and Legal Institutions, and back with us here on Sound On. Professor, it's great to have you here. Number one, were you surprised to hear today that we have not had a reply? We haven't heard back on this offer? I didn't expect this to be an easy negotiation, so I'm not surprised. Uh, I would suspect that both sides are excellent negotiators, and they each have objectives they want to reach. So if two for two isn't is acceptable, or at least the two that are on offer aren't acceptable, then either they'll have to go to a, a larger offer or reconsider their positions. Wow. Well, this is a tough spot we're in here. Uh, the White House is obviously trying to put some light on it today, getting people like us to talk about it again and get more questions uh, being asked out in the public space. But what leverage does the U.S. have right now with this war going? I'm not sure that we have much leverage uh, in and of itself. We have her appeal pending, of course, and it's possible she may get some relief from the appeal, but it's also possible she may not. Other than that, I think it's just a question of two sides who are experienced negotiators coming to an acceptable solution. But you see a solution coming at some point? Well, since I'm not close to matters at all, it's easy for me to say that they might consider the possibility of a larger exchange, mm -hmm. that if two for two is not considered to be equitable by one side or the other, they might go to three for three or three for four, for four even. You specialize in international uh, and comparative law, focusing principally on, on Russia. And I wonder your thoughts on this case. I mean, do you laugh at the idea of an appeal? No, I do not. Uh, I don't know precisely the grounds for appeal. Leniency is certainly one of them, but there will yeah. maybe other points that the council have raised. So there's a, obviously uh, some opportunity there, but when you consider the, the straits that, that, that Whelan is in as well, uh, how long can this go on for? I mean, this is the, they're, they're being held in terrible conditions from what we understand. Uh, they're not always in contact with their families. What else can be done for them in the meantime? Well, confinement such as they're experiencing is not pleasant under any circumstances. It can go on, of course, until they complete the serving of their sentences. Yeah. That would be no result to the negotiations. Do we have anything to offer them uh, that, that doesn't impact the war, that doesn't actually involve the war in Ukraine? Do we have leverage elsewhere as we approach this conversation? It's not obvious to me that we do. That's why I was thinking in terms of possibly expanding the offer to more people okay. becoming involved than two on each side. Does Vladimir Putin have sway over Russian courts? Should we assume that? We should assume, I think, that he does not for these purposes and that he will be reluctant to appear to be exerting any influence unduly over the courts. Talking to William Butner, uh, Butler, professor of law at, at Penn State about this situation uh, involving Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. I'm assuming that an event today, an event like we saw today at the White House, which was not on the president's schedule. It was not one to be held with cameras and so forth, but it got the conversation going. Is that on the radar in Russia? 
I would expect it to be on the radar in Russia. Brittany is a popular basketball star there as well as here. She has fans in both camps, so to speak. I wonder what you think about the idea of Brittany Griner specifically as a hostage. If she actually had the cannabis oil with her and so forth, and I realize that could be a question in Russia, uh, she actually did break a law. Do you consider her a hostage or a political prisoner at this point? Because I'm assuming that you or I would be in jail if we did the same thing. I think you or I would be in jail if we did the same thing. I think it's not probably helpful to think of this in hostage terms, although once you begin the negotiations for an exchange, one is tempted to do so. What do you think Vladimir Putin is looking for in terms of his own leverage? I think he's looking for the release of somebody that he's of interest uh, that is of interest to him and that he would like to have back home. William Butler, I appreciate your being with us. John Edward Fowler, Distinguished Professor of Law at Penn State, with us on Bloomberg Sound On as we assemble our panel for their take. We've talked about this before when we went through the, uh, the verdict, then we went through the sentencing process, and now that we're in appeal, the U.S. really seems to be on ice here. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano are with us, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Happy Friday to both of you. Uh, Jeannie, the White House uh, it seems to be in a real jam here. If they're bringing family members in to assure them that there's hope, that doesn't sound like progress. It doesn't. And, you know, so many things in your conversation just alluded to all of this uh, that make this so much more complicated. We had the ambassador, John Sullivan, retire early. He was intimately involved for family reasons. He retired. He was intimately, intimately involved in these negotiations. That's just about a week ago now. Yep. We don't know how that's going to affect it. We have former U.N. ambassador Bill Richardson headed over there, although the government doesn't. It, it's not an official visit. Don't know what that is about. And of course, big questions loom. The United United States engaged in this kind of negotiation to swap prisoners. Does that encourage adversaries like Venezuela or Iran mm -hmm. to detain Americans? That's a big question hanging over all of this. And we haven't heard a lot of response from the White House on all of those issues. Is Vladimir Putin just enjoying taking time here, Rick, or is he looking for three or four uh, prisoners to the professor's point? Well, if anybody could read Vladimir Putin's mind, we've got a lot more pressing questions to ask him than I this. I guess that's but right. Uh, the reality is that, um, you know, he's acting in his self-interest. Uh, he's probably going to want something, whether it's these multiple releases that uh, that you've been talking about or whether it's anybody in particular. Uh, it's just the price of doing business with uh, Vladimir Putin. Or does it require an end of this war? Uh, I would say it probably doesn't require the end of the war because if that's the case, you're back to status quo ante, right? You're yeah. really just serving out your sentence until something breaks. I do think the, the, the Biden administration is doing the right thing by keeping it in the public eye, right? That, that, this is an embarrassment for uh, Putin and his regime. I mean, you know, it doesn't do him any good to have a superstar basketball player, you know, yeah. that, uh, that they've arrested for, for, for this crime. And, uh, and I think that there are a number of big uh, events coming up. The U.N. General Assembly next week in New York, the uh, G20 meeting. Uh, in November. And, and, and these are all places that the media and other allies and competitors to Russia can use huh. this as an example and, and, and create their own leverage with him. So, so the timing is not a coincidence to you. I don't think the timing is a coincidence. And I think it's probably a good opportunity to try and create a lot of noise around this yeah. uh, in order to keep the heat on. 
Bill Richardson apparently over there, uh, according to reports, Jeannie, to, to, you know, and it's not, you know, he's been disavowed, as we've seen before, not connected to the State Department here. He's speaking for himself. Does that help, though? He's actually managed this before. Does it make us look weak? He's an experienced negotiator. There's no question about that. But I do think it raises questions. And, you know, I have to raise this issue about the publicity surrounding this in the last day or so. Is that a sign that U.S. negotiations have ground to a halt, that we aren't where we should be in terms of getting these prisoners returned? I I don't know if it's a good sign they're going public or a bad sign. Let's not forget, they told the families a long time ago to stay quiet. They did. Then they came public. So I don't know if this is a good sign or a bad sign, but we see the same thing with Richard since curious visit in the last few days reported i guess dennis rodman didn't get the job done rick yeah i mean it's just like mission impossible you know uh, governor richardson is in russia but we may disavow him (laughs) right we've actually seen this movie before uh and it works to to think of a positive outcome i'm joe matthew in washington this is sound on rick davis and Jeannie shanzano our panel continuing next this is bloomberg You know success when you see it, or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. The special master has been chosen. Judge Raymond Deary has his work cut out with, I believe, 11,000 documents to sort through. That's a lot of collating. Do they still call it collating? Here's the thing. The judge also denied a U.S. request to use documents with classified markings. You've seen photos of some of them taken from Mar-a-Lago. So the investigation, you know, they wanted to at least just keep using a hundred documents that were marked classified, but they will have to wait on this and it could take some time. Not that Donald Trump sounds worried. He showed up on the, uh, the Hugh Hewitt program. We didn't show up. He called into the show and Hewitt asks him, you know, Hey, if they indict you, because that's been in the air lately as a possibility. Would you still run for president? Here's what he said. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. And as you know, if a thing like that happened, I would have no prohibition against running. You know that. you've already. I do. And that's what I want people to understand. That would not take you out of the arena. It would not. 
but I think if it happened, I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps we've never seen before. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. Okay. What kind of problems, Mr. President? I think they'd have big problems. Big problems. <laughs> he never detailed uh, what those problems would be, but I think we're getting the idea here. As we reassemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, uh, already starting to soften people up with this idea, Rick? Are we trying to get ahead of a possible indictment? Uh, he sure seems to be talking a lot about it. I think yeah. if I were under investigation, I wouldn't want to talk about it at all. Um, On a broadcast? But, uh, <laughs> but look, this echoes uh, Senator Lindsey Graham's comments earlier that mm -hmm. if Donald Trump were indicted, there'd be you know riots in the streets. So uh, you can tell there's this, going? this overlay that, um, sure, uh, you know, my people won't stand for it. And uh -huh. And, and you couple that with some of the activity on his true social where, you know, he's wearing QAnon pins now. I mean, he's gone full crazy and wearing a QAnon pin and, and, uh, and with symbols that talk about, you know, the final determination or whatever it is, which oh is God. he gets reinstated as president and they take the op opponents and try them and, 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 and you know, uh, capital punishment. And so it's, it's crazyville right now. And so I don't think we can assume anything. This was a... Uh, dog whistle to his own supporters. We've seen him do that yep. before that, you know, get ready. Uh, and uh, and it's disappointing, uh, but uh, it's pretty much what we've come to expect from him. Was that uh, stand back and stand by the, the new version, Jeannie? Yeah, it's going to be bigly, Joe. Bigly oh, is what it's going to be. And I'm so glad that Rick is monitoring Truth Social now. So I'm going to give it a rest. <laughs> You're not alone. Okay, I'm not good. alone. Rick has joined me there. Um, you know, in all seriousness, no, this is coming just on the heels of this week of the FBI and DHS briefing members of the Senate Judiciary Committee and Homeland Security yeah. about an increase in threats against federal law enforcement after these uh, after the search at Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, you had a number of members of Congress come out and see that, you know, I think Dick Durbin called it a stunning number of threats was one of the quotes. And so this is these are not empty threats. It's not unlike what Donald Trump, quite frankly, did in and around January 6th. And even Hugh Hewitt seemed to take that as a form of incitement. And he asked him about that. And Donald Trump said, no, I'm not inciting. This is just my opinion. Yeah. But he has a way of saying things that we know incite whether they are meant that way or not. And they clearly seem to be meant that way. Well, short of violence here, Rick, is that the, the interview and his statements do bring us to the possibility, you know, it's, it seems like a very real possibility that we have a former president running for, well, I, I, I for election again, under indictment, that that will be, that'll be the new normal that people have to get around their head because, hey, that's legal, holding office, that's different, but anybody can run under indictment, Rick. Yeah, it's kind of like the United States of Nicaragua. I mean, like you're you're only allowed to run for president if you've been indicted. Um, so you know, it's a look. I don't want to jump to conclusions. We've had this conversation many times before. This this Mar-a-Lago uh, case is an investigation. Nobody's indicted. It's not a criminal investigation at this stage. Uh, those things that uh, you know we're all talking about with this uh, court case are all predicated on running an investigation and the terms uh, that the judge are setting around that. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's premature to, to start speculating, one, that he's a candidate for president, two, that yes, he'll be right. a candidate for president who's indicted. Um, you know, we don't know. And, and we've, we've said in the past, we're not sure what the 
Justice Department really has is a interest in Donald Trump. They certainly seem to have a very wide and very broad investigation, as we've learned over the last week, uh, with, with um, dozens you know, more of subpoenas than 40 going subpoenas going out and people's phones being uh, 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 yeah, subpoenaed. Yeah. So uh, it's I think we I think we have to be very careful about creating our own. Uh, spin yeah. uh, around well, your the temperament is appreciated, and you're absolutely right about that, Rick. And we should remind people that there are there are tandem investigations going here. There's one investigating the the attempt to overturn uh, the results of the election. There's a separate one going on here about these uh, classified documents. Then, Jeannie, there's the January 6th committee. They tell us there's going to be another hearing this month, September 28th, and you're already seeing headlines about October surprise. Uh, they're going to have to make this count, right? They will. And, you know, one thing we expect that we may hear is going to be dealing with the Secret Service as they ended up in the spring, um, the January 6th committee, and over the summer collecting a lot of information from the Secret Service. So I think that's going to be incredibly interesting, those people who were with Donald Trump close vicinity, what they have to say. As we learned today as well from the committee, their final report will not come out until after the midterm elections. But let the leaking begin. Rick and Jeannie are with us a bit later on this hour as our signature panel, Emily Wilkins from Bloomberg Government, is up next. This is Bloomberg. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer certainly seemed like he meant it when he vowed to hold a vote on a marriage equity bill in coming weeks. He said it didn't even matter if there was Republican support to pass it. They would bring it to the floor because as he said passionately after the Roe ruling that these new protections were needed. Listen. The MAGA rep Republicans are taking over the Republican Party, and they've made it abundantly clear they're not satisfied with repealing Roe. So when some Republicans say, oh, a vote's unnecessary, it won't happen, they said the same thing about Roe. And here's where we are. Well, here's the headline on the terminal. Senate to delay vote on marriage equity until after elections. Stephen Dennis writing about it. A vote on the marriage equity bill will be held after the midterms, according to Senator Tammy Baldwin, who spoke with reporters. And it's making us wonder if there could be a chance after the elections because it's not going to get easier. That was also potentially going to be part of this year-end budget legislation that we talked about with Emily Wilkins. So we wanted to pick up where we left off with Emily, Bloomberg government Congress reporter and dear friend of Bloomberg Sound On. Emily, what's going on here? Are you surprised to see a delay like this, knowing that the odds only get more challenging after November? You know, so I think it is a little surprising. I think a number of people were surprised to hear Senator Baldwin, uh, who we should really know, is the first uh, LGBT openly gay female uh, woman elected to the House of Representatives and then to the Senate. So she really has a has a dog in the fight here. I mean, she's the one who came out. Schumer was kind of looking like he was going to put the bill on the floor this week. And then she said, you know what? We honestly think we're going to be able to have a better shot at this after the elections. What's the um, logic? I, you know, that that is a great question, Joe, because there are certainly those in her party who disagree with her. Mm-hmm. Senator Elizabeth Warren very much wants the bill to be on the floor now. But I think it's a matter of, of policy versus politics. There might be some Republicans who feel a lot of pressure 
uh, to not take one stance or the other before an election, but might okay. feel more comfortable after the election doing so. Um, remember, too, there's also some uh, tweaking that's going on, some finessing with other potential amendments that could be added to this legislation, kind of just noting that they do want to keep the status quo. They don't want to put any additional uh, burdens or be creating sort of additional right. laws on, on businesses or other religious groups. Well, so that makes that a lot of sense. You know, they won't makes. be they won't be held feet to the fire quite the same way after an election as they would in weeks before. And see, Emily has answers to the questions. What does that mean then for the legislation that's left? Because we talked, Emily, about that potentially being attached to uh, to a stopgap budget to keep things running after September 30th. That's the deadline that we're looking at here to get a government funding bill. Um, but that wasn't the only thing that was being considered as as a possible attachment either, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, Senator Joe Manchin has been pushing this permitting reform that yeah. would really help expedite permits uh, for energy products. Now, this would include fossil fuels as well as green energy. So there's some potential hope out there that this might get some sort of support from Democrats. And uh, honestly, Joe, when I was in the Capitol this week, I, I talked to AOC. I talked to Jared Huffman. I talked to some really big supporters of climate. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you going to not vote? for this continuing resolution to keep the government funded if this permitting reform is in there. No one would tell me that. No one would say flat out that they're not voting for this continuing resolution. All Democrats understand how important it is to keep the government funded. And a lot of them point out that, look, we don't even know what the devil in the details is yet. We don't have any bill text. We don't know exactly what right. this legislation is going to look like. So at this point, everyone's uh, they're, they're keeping their cards close to their chest. What happened to this group of 70 something progressives who were threatening to shut down the government over the mansion bill? Has that fallen apart or does no one believe them? I think actually they've added a couple folks to their ranks. But again, when you they, they then the letter, they're like, you know, we don't think that this should be in the continuing resolution. But you ask those same members. So are you voting against it? And and they give you kind of the wishy washy. Well, we need to see what's actually in the uh -huh. details. So I think they're <laughs> making their position known. But no one wants to shut down the government. Well, right. And that's that's the point here, right, that I actually neither party, I'm assuming uh, that Republicans are, are just the same as Democrats, even if not in the majority. You don't want to be hung up on a vote like that weeks before the midterm elections. Yeah, I mean, Republicans, they also want to get home. They want to campaign. They want to be in their districts. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that of the 435 Republicans in the House and 535 people want to throw in the Senate, you could find a couple who would be willing to go for a shutdown over this. But it, it really, Joe, I don't think anyone thinks that it's enough. Um, they're definitely the momentum uh, on both sides is to really find and get something done. The question is, when are we going to see anything? Because we don't have bill text yet. Uh, there's still a lot of questions about what this is going to look like. And time is running out. The House has seven legislative days left before September 30th. God. You cover the leadership, uh, Emily, and I, I want to ask you about a conversation we had earlier this week. There were questions, and I believe you were in the room for it, for Nancy Pelosi and whether she would run to be speaker again if, in fact, Democrats manage to keep the House. As she's predicting, they'll, they'll actually gain seats, according to uh, Madam Speaker. Uh, what do you make of that? And is, is that something that you would foresee if Democrats own the House again? She's not going to hand that gavel to someone else, right? 
So I got to say, CNN actually did poll a number of Democrats about this. And a lot of them says, that yes, if Democrats pulled off a win, which is certainly still not expected at this point, even though they might have more momentum, Republicans are still expected to win the House in November. If they somehow pulled it off, yeah, that would give Pelosi momentum to potentially take another turn at the gavel. Incredible. But she even said two terms ago that she would have two more terms as speaker and that that would be it. And the other thing you got to consider here, Joe, is that it does not benefit Nancy Pelosi one iota to say that she's not going to be speaker next year, that she's going to give the gavel. She uh, and really anyone in power wants to give the impression that they will be staying at the top as long as they possibly can. <laughs> See, she's got something in common with Joe Biden right now. You exactly. going to get uh, exactly. is it, are you going to taco night at the press club from here? Uh, you know, I have a couple other plans for tonight, but I think I'll be at the taco night next week. And I hope, hope right. to see you there and any other members, too. I love that. See, you know, she Emily looms large at the National Press Club. And maybe I will take you up on that uh, next week. Emily, thank you so much for being with us, as always. You'll be hearing Emily soon on the broadcast from Bloomberg Government Congress reporter Emily Wilkins here on Bloomberg Sound On. So what do you think here about this idea of putting off the same sex marriage bill until after the election does that ease up on everybody to get a couple of republicans to make it possible they'd need 10 to make it work as a standalone at least in the senate if that happens we'll check in with rick davis and Jeannie shanzano put it to the panel and something really cool that's going on that'll bring us to outer space it's all coming up this is bloomberg you know success when you see it or you think you do the people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. <laughs> Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. And so hurry up and wait is the message on marriage equity in Congress, namely the Senate. Whereas we just discussed with Emily Wilkins, Chuck Schumer vowed to have a vote in coming weeks. And well, here we are a couple weeks later. And we're hearing from Tammy Baldwin that it's not going to happen until after the election. And the logic there, as Emily explained, is there might be a little bit less pressure. Maybe you get a couple of Republicans to vote for this without having to worry about a looming election. We reassemble the panel. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are with us, of course, Bloomberg Politics contributors and our signature panel. Rick, is that going to work for any Republicans who would not vote for it today but might in December? Yeah. 
I think that uh, this is actually, I, I tend to be counterintuitive, but this indicates to me that there may, I mean, you need, you know, 10, they've got four, so are they you need six more Republicans. And my, in, my look, I mean, the Democrats easily could say, we're going to walk the plank, we're going to force you Republicans to vote against this mm-hmm. and uh, make a political issue out of it. But the fact that they've backed off indicates that they might li- might likely have six Republicans who are telling them, Look, I don't want to do this before the election. Right. I've got my own issues at home, but I'm happy to cast that vote uh, right after the midterms. So if that's the case, then, Jeannie, you've got this spending bill uh, that could have a Joe Manchin piece of legislation attached to it. But my gosh, if more than, what is it, 80 now Republicans or uh, Democrats, rather, are threatening to shut down the government, is that going to see the light of day? You know, there are so many things that are questionable about this. I am so curious as to what kind of uh, off-ramp we get for this, because, of course, the calendar totally works against this. You know, we are, what, 14 days from a shutdown. Next week, they're back, and then Rosh Hashanah. So you're looking at a very limited time frame. And Joe Manchin really, really wants this included. You know, one question is, does he cut a deal with the Republicans and, and Capito and get something that they can agree to? But you got to imagine many Republicans are not feeling that warm towards Joe Manchin. They were very frustrated by the last time they trusted him. And so what happens with it then? Do they just drop this permitting reform altogether? I can't imagine he'd be happy with that. And just as curious to me is the fact that Chuck Schumer, to Rick's point, you know, he could have pushed this and made it part of this whole culture war. He didn't force Republicans to vote. Maybe means we're going to get a bill on this. But you've got to feel some Democrats are frustrated in an election year. He didn't force Republicans to go on the record on this. What's Joe Manchin doing, Rick? He's trying to get oil executives involved to kind of push the legislation. He's looking for Republican votes. Is it going to see the light of day? You know, it might. I mean, a deal's a deal. They got a tremendous, Democrats got the, you know, Inflation Reduction Act out yeah. of it. Uh, seems like a pretty good trade to me. Uh, and, and I've noticed that the House Democrats seem to be talking a little less vociferous toward uh, Joe Manchin. He's been the target of some pretty bad ire over the last year. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, look, everybody who's been betting against Joe Manchin has lost this year. So I'm either going on the sidelines or betting for him because he's he's right now, you know, just about betting a thousand. What do you think on that, Jeannie? He was at the White House on the South Lawn for the big, uh, you know, inflation celebration the other day that, you know, he was, I'm assuming, hanging out with James Taylor at some point here. Uh, Like Rick said, a deal's a deal. Doesn't Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer owe this to him? Yeah, he was strumming that guitar, as we saw. Um, You know, the problem is they may have made a deal with Joe Manchin, but it takes, you know, also the other Democrats to stay on board. And they did not make a deal, apparently, with Bernie Sanders and many other Democrats. So that's going to be the problem. He will be very frustrated if this doesn't get through. But I think the stunning thing to me is that we can't have a conversation in this country about the need to both protect the environment and ensure we have have an economy and an energy sector that is running. And we do need this kind of reform. You know, that you can do both reform the permitting situation and help the environment. And those two things can go in concert, but we don't have that discussion in Washington, D.C. They seem to be totally at odds, which is frustrating to people observing it. After November, are we shut down? Is the store closed, Rick, assuming that at least the House goes Republican? Well, 
certainly if the House goes Republican, um, they're going to do everything they can to keep the Democrats in Congress from doing anything between then and the end of the year. I mean, they'll have to take up the budget in December. Yeah. Uh, any kind of stopgap will only get us through the mid-December. So there will be a big budget fight. And if the Democrats are lame duck, you know they're going to stick everything they can, uh, two years worth of spending into one bill. And uh and I've seen those in Washington before where it's basically, hey, look, we're going to do that. And we don't even care if the Republicans get what they want because a year from now they're going to do it anyway. So uh, dogpile on the rabbit for the budget could be the potential in December. What do you, <laughs> what do you think about that, Jeannie? Is the store closed? Anything outside of a budget for in terms of the Biden agenda, the laundry list that we've been hearing of things that they want to get done? That's, we're, that's over if they lose the House, right? I can't imagine how they push it through. And on top of that, you heard Donald Trump call Mitch McConnell an absolute loser and a lapdog for the Democrats for not (laughs) playing hardball with the government shutdown, with Democrats over the shutdown. So if that's in the indication, if Republicans and, and, you know, they would be a fairly moderate to right, can we say, a portion of the Republican Party take the House, that's going to be, you know, ringing in their ears. So you're hard pressed to imagine they would allow anything to go through at that point. Rick and Jeannie with us. It's Friday. It's Bloomberg Sound On. And lastly today, it's like something out of the movie Armageddon. You remember this scene? What kind of damage are we... Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. Global killer. The end of mankind. Doesn't matter where it hits. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing would survive, not even bacteria. (laughs) Thank God. What do we do? Well, you call NASA in this case. Instead of a global killer, though, it's a regional killer. Well, it could be. That's, uh, this is part of a test that NASA is conducting right now to save you from being hit by an asteroid. This is real work happening on behalf of you by your government. NASA calls it the DART program, in which we send a spacecraft to smash into an asteroid and keep it from crashing into our planet. This is real. In fact, let's go back to last November when they launched this thing in California. Listen. Five, four, three, two, one. There it goes. And liftoff of the Falcon 9 and Dart on NASA's first planetary defense test to intentionally crash into an asteroid. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty amazing. Dart stands for Double Asteroid Redirect Test. No, its dart will be used as a battering ram, essentially, to crash into this uh, this asteroid that is actually, I'm told, it's a moonlet, as as I read. Uh, Nancy Shabbat is uh, the team leader here, if you will, uh, from Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory. The regional devastation could be the size of a city or a small state or a small country. And so it is very devastating, very rare, no known threat. But that's why the focus a lot of time is on objects of that size and why Dimorphos is such a perfect target for this first planetary defense test mission. Dimorphos. This is like right out of a sci-fi movie. They're going to have everything but Bruce Willis on board. And here's the cool part. It actually hits the asteroid on September 26th. It's almost there. In fact, the little spacecraft came out of the rocket and it's going there now. There'll be an adjacent spacecraft to take pictures of it all. And Rick and Jeannie, apparently the images, according to NASA, will be stunning. The question is, can they save us from an asteroid? Rick, this is truly science fiction 
turned science fact. Yeah, this is right out of Armageddon, one of my favorite movies. And, uh, and, and I hope they're successful because, you know, I want something more than bacteria to survive if we're hit by an asteroid. I mean, the, we get hit by asteroids a lot, but we don't look like the moon, which, That's you know, right. uh, it looks like just a, uh, a sand trap after nine holes of golf with me. Uh, but the, the reality of it is, is it, you know, all these things are happening uh, at a time when space seems to become the number one issue that people are talking about. I mean, about I that. cannot go through a day without someone talking about the space competition to get satellites up, the, you know, going to the moon and building a colony, going to Mars and building a colony. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I think it's one of these periods of time where uh, I think it's just grabbing the imagination of the world all over. It's pretty pretty cool stuff that our government is actually doing, Jeannie. We've tried to make this point before. They may not have a lot of money and you know funding for this particular program, but it's actually happening. It's it's the government working for the people, and these scientists are some of the smartest people in the world. They've actually figured out a way that might be able to save us uh, from devastation, like from you know being the dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean, this is like every kid's dream job. You create a spacecraft to go into to space and, you know, to push an asteroid off course. Crash but, into something. Yeah, it's amazing. But, you know, I know this only because I have a friend deeply involved in this. This is a real threat. Yeah. Apophis, seven years from April of this year, and it's the size of what? It is the size of oh, the no. Empire State Building oh, in God, Manhattan, yeah. and right. it's going to come within about 23,000 miles of Earth. That's really, really close. So they may have to send these spaceships up for real to move these asteroids off course pretty soon. Yes. I'm See, I'm getting emotional already just thinking about it. Turn that thing up, Justin. With our signature panel, I dare you to not shed a tear. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, I thank you both as we careen into the weekend together. On the fastest hour in politics. Nice job, Bob Bragg. Who who pulled that? I need to find that out later. I'll see you back here on Monday. God, make it end. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.